0: Are you glad to be here this morning? It's good to see everybody again, and it's good to be back where the humidity is 10,000 and you can't see out your glasses, and you got to pray for the Holy Spirit to lead you out of every restaurant and every car and can't see nothing. A few months or a month ago when I was here, a guy told me, he, I was just making conversation with him, and he, I said, it's hot out there, ain't it? He said, boy, this ain't hot. Come back a month later, I'm like, you're exactly right. That ain't hot. It's just now warming up in the great state of Mississippi. It is good to be here. Uh, my wife is here on the first row. And you wave, Lena, let everybody say hey to you. My wonderful wife. And uh, we have two kids. I said this last time I was here, but just want to show you an update. They've not changed much in a month, but if you want to see what's happened, that's what they look like. Uh, my boy is Judah Paul, and uh, my daughter is Lily Kay. And they are four and two, and they're both full of the devil. And uh, they've yet to come to the great state of Mississippi because we are intelligent. <laughs> We're not bringing them till we have to. Uh, I'm just kidding. They are wonderful. Can you do me a favor and welcome everyone who's joining us online all over the place? Let them know how glad we are that you're joining us today. I want to preach a message entitled, You Can't Stay There you can't stay there. Anytime I preach out, a lot of times I will send, um, I will send four or five messages to the team, the media team, and and, uh, because you know when you are parachuting in, you don't always know the pulse and the vibe, and the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you on what to say. And I really do try to hear from God when I get up to preach. I don't have canned sermons. I try to pull. I, I really try to hear from God and. And uh, in the first service, going back and forth of what I was going to preach, even sitting in the room, it's not because I was ill-prepared or unprepared. It was that I was probably too prepared (laughs) have too many things that I was really trying to stir and feel. And I leaned over to Pastor Pat and I told him, I said, man, I really want to do this one today. So let the media team know that you can't stay there is what we're going to do today. And last service really felt that it it really resonated. And I felt God has a word for someone here this morning. Can I get a yes? I think when you come to church, we cannot forget the supernatural process of what takes place when we're in this room. I know we can think it's just, you know, 75 minutes, 90 minutes, singing, you know, guitars, uh, lights, and preaching, and we're going to all hit Cracker Barrel after church and get that country fried steak. Praise God. But that, if anybody's feeling to bless me after church, that's uh, something I've been feeling in my spirit this morning. But uh, (laughs) country fried steak and green beans and a sweet tea. Glory to God. But I tell you, the, uh, but, uh, I just believe when you come to church, it's not just the dynamics that you see. There's much more going on behind the scenes there's something going on in the spirit realm when you're in this room. And I believe you can come to church one way and walk out another way. Do you believe that? I think you could come into church broken and then in just 90 minutes, God could do something and you can leave mended. I think you could come in sick and you can then leave healed. I think you could come in shattered and God has a way of putting the pieces together and giving you perspective. And all you need is one word and one touch and one moment with God that when you come in this building, like they used to say it in the old church, you don't have to leave the same way way you came in. You don't have to leave this the same way in the name, above every name, the name of Jesus. Not in the name of Ethan, the name of Vibrant Church, but when Jesus is in the house, something's going to happen because things happen in God's house that just don't happen anywhere else. Can I get a big amen? All right. Make sure you're with me. Build your anticipation. I want your expectations up because when the word of God is given, something supernatural can take place. Say, I'm ready. Uh, You can't stay there. I want to talk from the Old Testament today, out of the book of Genesis, from the life of a man named Lot. Many of you have heard this story. Maybe you've heard uh, it's preached pretty harshly, and I've not heard many people preach this text in the way that I'm going to preach it today. It's a little unique, but it is the story of Lot and his family in Sodom and Gomorrah, So just in case, if you haven't been to church in a while and you feel like you picked the worst day to come, because now I'm preaching on Sodom and Gomorrah. Just hang with me for a minute. Uh, Lot and his family have found themselves in a difficult situation. They have found them placed in a place in a position of difficulty and darkness, and even sin. This place wasn't a good place for them. In fact. I think we have to understand that they were in a place that was less than God's best for them. Have you ever been there? A place in a position, in a thought process, in a relationship, in a a situation where you just were not in God's best for your life. Genesis chapter 19 is where we pick up the story. The Bible says that as morning dawned, the angels, angels God had sent to Lot and his family urged him, urged Lot, saying, up. Get up, wake up, get get moving. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. God is so to the point of, he's just, God's about to lose his cool. Okay, let's just word it like it is in the Old Testament that God was about to lose it on the, city of, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and God is gonna punish them for their sinfulness. Let me just pause there. Aren't you thankful to be in the New Testament? We're under the grace of God, the blood of God, and we're so thankful to be in the dispensation of grace, but in this particular passage, they are living under that, 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 that covenant, that that era, that season where God dealt with things. And I'm thankful that somebody said to me that if God doesn't deal with Sodom and Gomorrah or deal with America, who have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's the reality. If God did something, punished America, he'd have to apologize to Jesus because Jesus went to the cross for sin. Jesus went to the cross for shame. Jesus went to the cross for our salvation. And there is a wrath to come, but it ain't till we all gone out of here. And I'm thankful for Jesus today. Are you thankful for? it. All right. Clearing it up. Just giving you a Bible lesson today. Genesis, it goes on to say that they swept away in the the punishment of the city in verse 16. It says, but after the angels have urged him and his family, the Bible says in verse 16, but he lingered. Everybody say lingered. Verse 17, and as they brought them out, the angels brought them out and said, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Like, we gotta go. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. In verse 26, the Bible says that Lot's wife behind him, she looked back and she became a pillar of Saul. It's interesting when you read the context fully of this story is that Lot had his family. Lot was the nephew of a man named Abraham. And Lot and Abraham were wealthy. And the story goes in the Bible that they were both uh, very blessed. They had a lot of possessions. And the scripture says that uh, Lot and Abraham, their herdsmen were beginning to dispute. So the way they handled it was that they separated. Uh, Let me just say this. I'm not sure this is Going to, this ain't the idea, but I think sometimes it's okay to separate. There's some people that when God starts blessing you, it's okay to move along, move on down the line. Thank you for your friendship, but I think it's best that we just make a little space. And in this story, the Bible says that um, Lot makes the decision and he picks the direction he wants to go. And, and Tyler, how he picks the direction he wants to go, he picks it simply by the grass being really green. The place being watered. It looked good. It was a really good looking area. And he has all these cattle and herds and he has people. And he knew that if I go there, I'm going to be able to replenish them with water and I could grow crops. And so he picked something that seemed initially good, but eventually turned bad. He had found himself in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, a place of sin and shame, and all of these horrible situations involved in those cities. And what we have to understand in looking at Lot's life, and I think we could correlate it with ours, is there are things that can seem good to you and still be bad for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are things that can initially be good, but eventually go bad. Have you ever been, uh, you ever gone on a date with a girl and be like, man, this girl is so bad? beautiful. She's so fine. She is so good looking. But then you find out that girl is crazy. I know initially she was fine, but eventually you find out that girl is wild. Girl is out of her mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, it's okay to raise. Anybody marry your crazy girl? Just go ahead. Anybody marry Pastor Ron had his hand way high last service, but this service, I don't know why he didn't raise it, but he did this time. But the truth is, Every once in a while, something can seem good initially, and then can turn bad. Have you ever taken a job that you were so thankful for? You love this job, you're calling your small group like girl. We prayed all night, and God just blessed us. We got a job, I got a raise. you're so thankful. But the longer you work that job, you're like, "Good God, what was I thinking? I hate this boss. I want to slap him in the face. you're so ugly. You just something comes out of you because initially it was good, but eventually it went bad. Have you ever taken a family vacation? Are you hearing one? <laughs> Pastor uh, uh, Pat and Lanita went on a family vacation for a month. Yep, he grew his beard. He doesn't want his family to ever recognize him again. <laughs> family vacation, man, it would pull the devil out of the people. My mother is a saint. By the time we were done, I was like, "You are the devil." because it just pulls the devil out of everybody. It always seems like a great, I don't know if your family's more safe than ours, but it seems so good initially. Great idea. Let's all share a bathroom, all 23 of us. Great idea. But eventually it's not going to be good. That's what we found with Lot. He picks and makes a decision that seems good initially, but eventually turns bad. And I think here in the passage, and I just want to pull some ideas, that I think there are some places we find ourselves that start good, but initially or initially or start good, but eventually can go bad. And we find our, ourselves in places like Lot and his family that are not good, and God's trying to get us out of it. Settling in a place less than God's best for us. And I'm going to just talk through just a few of them today. Is that all right? The first one, I believe, one of the places where we get stuck, We choose our way into, we kind of get here through our choices, our impulses, our lack of discipline. Are you ready for it? Sin. Did you just feel the power of God leave the room? Just gone. God was like, you guys just, no. Sin. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I know that. I'm just being funny for a second. But the reality of it is there are some things in 2021, the Bible still calls sin. There are some things that in our culture, maybe we've smoothed the edges down. We've redefined a few things and we have said and we played down the seriousness of things that according to the word of God are still a sin. It may not be popular it may not be well-received. It may not be something that people will clap over. It may not be something that everybody is in agreement with what is called sin, but I'm telling you today, according to the word of God in 2021, we cannot forget the reality that there are some things that are the works of the flesh, and they are, they are damning to our lives and our future, and in Lot's situation, it could have cost him a lot if he stays in the city of sin, A Bible, or excuse me, a quote I read not long ago by Timothy Keller said, the sin that is the most destructive in your life right now is the one that you're the most defensive about. The one that you downplay the most, the one that you just justify and rationalize, That's the most dangerous one. You may change the words around it. You may change the definition of it. But at the end of the day, you're probably defending the sin. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, you can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you have chosen, but you'll find out in the end that you took the path and the road to destruction. We are masters at downplaying the seriousness of sin. We look in the life of Lot. He is in a place of promiscuity. It is a clear place of sin. I think another place that we can easily find ourselves in, very easy, is the place of shame. Of shame. Shame and guilt are two different things. Guilt, in some sense, is good. Sometimes guilt is not a bad thing. Guilt will help you tighten up. Guilt will remind you that, or maybe we could use a better word, conviction. Conviction is a good thing. Conviction is to your spirit what pain is to your body. And if you were to cut your foot without pain, you could bleed to death. Pain lets you know that it, pain is indicating to you that there's a problem. Conviction is indicating to you that there's a problem. And God is trying to align inside of you the things into line align with his word, let's deal with this cut foot, so to speak. But there, that's much, much different than condemnation. There are some people when they get up to preach and, I, and I, I've grown up in church my whole life. I'm sure many of you have as well. You've been exposed to some of this. But there are some preachers that that can, at times, seem so condemning, and they call it the truth. They could call it certain things. And sometimes you're just like, you know what? There's nothing you can say from that pulpit that I haven't already said to myself. I'm already dealing with shame. I'm already think I'm this way. I'm already thinking I'm a defect. I already think I'm a failure. I'm already thinking. Guilt is saying that... Uh, this is wrong, okay, in my life. Shame is saying, I am wrong. Shame is taking on the identity of the failure that you have had. Failure is not, a, is not a person, failure is an event. And the enemy today, I guarantee you, if I was to go around the room, go to every single row, talk to people in your section, talk to you, there may have been times in the service where you felt to raise your hands in worship or to close your eyes and pray but instantly you felt shame. The enemy can tie us up and just try to remind you of your failure, try to remind you of everything you've done wrong, try to remind you of everything that's wrong with you, because the devil is a master of putting shame on people. And I really do believe today, maybe you're here today and that's you. I think that's a lot of people in this room that they've taken on this heaviness of guilt and shame and these sentences, this narrative you're believing. And I want you to know today what the devil is always whispering in your ear, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Jesus is whispering back, shame off of you. shame on, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Come on, aren't you thankful that Jesus took away the shame and that you can sit here today and you can walk boldly to the Bible says, to the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. I have no shame. I still have issues, I still got problems, I may not be perfect, but if the Bible says if my heart condemns me not, I have confidence toward God. And the enemy, though you may be saved, can make you feel less confidence toward God because he's condemning your heart. But I prophesy to you today, Shame off of you. Today's a free day for you. Raise your hands, clap your hands, worship God, not because you're good, but because He's good. Can I get a big amen? The next one I think that we can get stuck in, we find ourselves in sin, we can find ourselves in shame. I think the third one I just want to cover today is that we can find ourselves in a place that we should not stay in of situations. This is a very broad concept, but there are some things that start initially good, but eventually go bad. The reality of it is that nobody really gets married to end up getting divorced. Situation they have found themselves in. Nobody takes that job to be fired. Nobody paints the nursery and has a child to bury that child. Nobody gets into that relationship to be abused. So there are situations that we can become stuck in. We can grow bitterness. We can grow anger. We can get stuck in a place of pain and sorrow and unforgiveness. We can hold grudges. Come on. And I'm talking to some real people in the room that you can love God. You can love the worship. You can love the team here. But you still struggle with some grudges. You can still get stuck. You can get in a place where it's hard to feel freedom again. You're just stuck there. You're in a place by your choices or by your situation, circumstantial. You are there, and I'm just letting you know, maybe today God's saying, hey, you can't stay there. In this scripture, we find in verse 16 that after Lot has been informed, okay, he's been told. The angels show up and tell him, hey, listen, cowboy, we got to go. We can't stay here. God is about to punish the city. The angels are informing him of the damage that is potentially coming his way if he does not make the proper moves to leave the place he's in. They're warning him of potential harm that is coming. It's like the other day, Pat was driving us down the road and he kept hitting these rumble strips. You know, the rumble strips on the side. I was like, have you been drinking? But he kept hitting them, (laughs) kept hitting them. And, uh, He kept joking. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just letting you know in Mississippi, we got him. We got rumble strips. I'm not exactly sure that's what it was. I think he was, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But he, (laughs) rumble strips, when you hit him, you're not in danger. It's just letting you know there could be danger. The Holy Spirit was letting them know, hey, the angels were letting them know, God was letting them know, you can't stay here. There's danger if you stay. In verse 16, what happens? The Bible says that he lingered. Whoa, wait a minute, Lot. You're telling me you're fully aware of what's to come. You're fully aware of what that sin can do. You're fully aware of your shame. You're fully aware that holding that grudge can damage you, your family. You're fully aware that your potential can be harmed. You're fully, like you're completely aware of the situation. You understand the, the, the consequences of staying in this place. Yet he lingered. I know we can look at Lot and be like, bro, that's crazy. I would never do that. That's not true. We do it every day. All over this room, I really believe God has probably been whispering to somebody through this sermon, you know, you know it's not right. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to somebody saying, there's more inside of you. You got to let this go. You got to forgive them. You got to do the right way. We got to get this together. You're feeling the drawing of the Holy Spirit trying to align you right with what God is saying. He's warning you, if you don't get this right, if we don't fix this, and we can all just linger, just get stuck. I could never calculate the loss attributed as a pastor's kid, as an executive pastor, I was a youth pastor, I was a kid's pastor, I've done, pastor of the bathrooms, I've done it all. (laughs) I could never calculate the loss attributed to lingering. There are kids today who don't have parents at home because a mom or a dad lingered in a place they shouldn't have been. There are parents or men and women sitting in prison cells right now. We're sitting in an air-conditioned building in the hottest state on the planet Earth. (laughs) And there are people in, in penitentiaries. Why? Because they lingered in places that they should have left. They lingered in a place. There are literally marriages that are destroyed, families that are destroyed, churches that are destroyed, businesses that are destroyed, children that are damaged because when you linger, when you need to leave, it's damning. You know, in 2021, uh, it's hard not to linger, right? When you just got your phone and you could break up with that girl, six hours later, be like, girl, what you up to later? I just want to see what's going on. Who's she she talking to? Does she like that post? You can't help but linger because you're just revisiting it. It's on your feed. We can linger in our thoughts. We can linger in our conversation. We can linger in places that the Holy Spirit is begging us to leave. When we know better, the Bible says in one translation, he's just hesitant. He's just hesitant. The scripture goes on to say that the angels that were there to warn him got like, they got physical with them and the Bible says they grabbed them, they, him and his family by the hand and took him out of the city physically. Like they just forced him. And let me just say this. Isn't that just like the mercy and the grace of God that when we deserve hell, God gives us heaven. Isn't that just like while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Isn't that just like God, the scripture says that when we are faithless, he is faithful. Isn't there something about the gospel that the grip of grace won't let you go even when you want to let God go? Isn't it feel good to know when David said, where can I go to hide from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, your hand is still right there. Am I helping anybody today to just be thankful that the hand could find you right where you are? It doesn't matter what situation you may be facing, wherever your kids are, I pray the hand of God will find that kid in a crack house. I just pray the hand of God can reach our president and administration in the White House. Why? Because the hand of God is not limited to our reach, it's not limited to any reach, because he's God, he's faithful, he's strong. I'm preaching, baby, I'm trying over here. If there's anybody thankful for the hand of God, put your hands together and tell heaven I'm thankful. We'll have to move her to the front row, Pastor. We'll get on up here. Somebody say, "You can't stay here. You can't stay there. You can't live in shame. You can't live in guilt. You can't live in brokenness forever." You're 33 years old, living with an 18-year-old wound. It's time to move. It's time to leave. Saddle up, partner. We're going home. We cannot stay in this place any longer. I feel like convicted in my heart today that somebody is teetering and lingering and you're wondering, am I going to make it? And you're wondering, do I want to try? You're wondering, do I want to go back to church? You're wondering if you're going to break up with them. You're wondering if you're gonna Listen to me. If you, if you will not stop lingering, it could cost you everything. And the power and the presence of God is stopping this service right now and saying, listen, give me your hand. I'll drag you out of there. Bible says that once they got out, the scripture lets us know that when they started to leave, they've now decided to leave. They're not lingering. They have left. And when they get out of the city, Lot's wife, sister Lot, sister in Christ Lot, the Bible says she looks back. She looked they first struggle with lingering, now they're struggling with looking. Once they have gotten away from where they were, and they've beat the battle of lingering, now they got to beat the battle of looking back. Hmm. You know, over there in Israel, there's a, a rot that many people believe is Lot's wife. They think geographically it makes sense. They think theologically it makes sense. And it's this rock, and I've not been there. I've not seen it. I've not tasted it. I don't know if it tastes like salt. I'm just saying. They believe, this is her, and I don't know, but they, this rock's literally like, it's like this. Okay. I don't know. I, I Google it. But the, the rock's just like. And, and let me just say this. I know this is funny, but let me just be real. I think if you keep looking back, you're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck. I know you can make a lot of money, but you can still be stuck. I know you could have moved on and married someone else, but you're still stuck. I know you can move into a new city, start a new family, get a new life, but you can still be stuck. You could change geographical locations. You could get a brand new car, grow a nice beard, pat. You could do anything. (laughs) But guess what? Still stuck. I worry for people who are stuck. The Holy Spirit's pulled you out of that situation. You, you, you've made the decision, but there's something about you. The Bible says, and one uh, commentator says, she looks at it intently. She can't keep her eyes off it. It's her homeland, whatever it is. There's this, there's this longing, and she looks, it's intense. She gets stuck. I thought it was interesting that um, when you read it, Lot's wife doesn't have a name in Scripture. It's just Lot's wife. Isn't that interesting? Could it be looking back could cost you your identity? Could it be the decision to continue to linger with your looking, the continuation of looking back could cost you what people know about you? You know her, she'd been divorced three times. You know him, he was called by God but he got on drugs. What happened, he just kept looking back. You actually lose your name and your name becomes your issue. People know you for what's wrong with you. Lot's wife got stuck looking back and you gotta ask yourself, is the price worth it? Is the price worth your name? Is the price worth your identity? The enemy is trying to steal your identity and your dignity. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 to remember Lot's wife. When Lot and his family went into that area with green grass and all this prosperity, the Bible says they went in with, they were wealthy, they were prosperous, but when they came out, they were broke. They had nothing but the clothes on their back. There is a cost, hear me today. There is a cost to choosing things that are not right for us. And if we linger and we keep looking back, it could cost us everything. Am I helping anybody? The Bible says that when they get out of the city, the angels tell them to run, and the one translation says run for your life. Don't, don't walk. Don't, 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 don't take your time. You have to run like your life is depending on it. Because it is. The angels inform him that you have to run. Could it be that your best life is waiting on you to put your running shoes on and run with everything you got? I recently read a story by a man named, or a story about a man named Jim Thorpe. If you look closely at the photo, You can see that he is wearing different socks and shoes and that wasn't a fashion statement. He wasn't trying to be impressive. It was actually the 1912 Olympics and Jim, an American Indian from Oklahoma represented the United States in track and field. On the morning of the competition, his shoes were stolen. Luckily, Jim ended up finding two shoes in a garbage can. That's the pair that he's wearing in the photo, but one of the shoes are too big, and so he had to wear extra socks with one of the shoes. And uh, with wearing these shoes, he actually ran the race and got two gold medals with some shoes that came out the garbage. We're talking about Run For Your Life, when I hear that story, I instantly think, how could you run for your life with a bad pair of shoes? How could you run and get two medals with shoes that don't match, with socks that don't fit? How, do you, how does that happen? Because the, ra- the winner wasn't here. He was gonna run his race. I think if we're not careful, we could think I'm not gonna run because my shoes aren't right. I got a lot of sin, Pastor Ethan, I've messed up. I got a lot of shame, you don't understand my situation, and we can get caught up looking at our shoes. Like, you know, Pastor Ethan, like, I know that's good, but you're a preacher, but you don't understand, when I get mad I do this, or when I think I feel like this, or I'm in an inappropriate this, and and I I get it, I know what you're saying, but it's harder than you think. And and I'm stuck, and I wanna run, I want to, I love God, I love the church, but, but I'm stuck looking at what in my mind discounts me from running. This story is a reminder that you don't have to have it all together to keep running. This story is a reminder that despite what you have been through, you can still run. Despite where you you are in your life right now, with the situations you're facing, the background that you live with, the economic status you're in, you can still run for your life. I feel like I'm talking to some people in the room that need to run again. You've lost your vision. You've lost your focus. You've got caught up in situations. And just like Lot, you linger. And just like Lot's wife, you're looking back. But what if by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is pausing on this Sunday morning to let you know it's time to run again. It's time to run again. You've walked long enough. COVID maybe knocked you down a little bit maybe got out of the church flow, it's time to run again. Never stop running. Never stop pushing. If you're tired, you just keep going. If you're wore out, you just keep going. Because the Bible says that, it says that we shall reap if we faint not that the enemy wants you to faint because he doesn't want you to reap. So the enemy is counting on you being tired. He's counting on you hanging up the shoes. He's counting on you quitting on your marriage. He's counting on you quitting on the church. He's counting on you quitting on your job. But what if today the devil got nervous because he starts seeing people start lacing up again like, oh, yeah, you better watch out devil because I am never gonna quit. You th- Hell can't quit, can't stop a runner. You can't cancel a real runner. You can't stop them from pushing and driving and grinding and pushing with everything they've got. David said, I run through a troop. I leap over a wall. Something inside of you has gotta be bigger than the obstacle in front of you. Church, hear me today. We could let the enemy totally convince us. No running's necessary. If nobody runs like that, you know, it's just okay, relax. It's a, we don't have to know, you know what you've been through after all the things you've experienced. And I feel like God's stopping this service to let you know, say stop, don't linger, don't look back. It's time to run again, vibrant. It's time to run again. Don't quit on the 50-yard line. I remember I went to, I shouldn't even share this. I won't. You guys won't want me to come back. But I, up home, there's this football team called the Buckeyes. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> Bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Went to talk after service? You want to go to Cracker Barrel? <laughs> this church, uh, or this, <laughs> this team called the Buckeyes, this boy named Cardell Jones. And the boy uh, every time he ran, he'd get like 10 yards. He's a monster. He's as big as that drum set running through the team. And you would catch yourself being like, you know, there's other players, there's other plays and all this stuff, but you would catch yourself watching TV be like, run Cardell, run. Cause you know, I'm a little intense. Are you intense with football sometimes? Yeah, I know. I know where I'm at. I know. Y'all act like being all calm. I know there's some state fans, some Bama fans in this room, yeah. old Miss fans, and hey, look at you getting, she ain't raised her hands all service. Glory to God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you would catch yourself, run, run, run. I feel like heaven's leaning in saying, run. Don't quit on your marriage. Run! Don't quit on your kids, run! Don't quit on your family, run! Don't quit on vibrant church, don't quit on this team, don't quit on this building, don't quit on this vision because I really believe if we can keep running, we can help people find freedom. If we keep running, we can help people discover their difference and make a difference and discover their purpose if we just keep running. But the devil is counting on Mississippi to quit running. The devil's counting on people in this church to be like, you know what, it's over, it's done. Let me say this, I don't wanna speak too freely, but I'm from the North, and as you know, Ron, you know, we only know how to say it without butter on the biscuit. But whoever is your pastor, whoever is the next step for this church, I want to tell you today, I want to prophesy to you today, you can't quit running. The best days are still ahead. There's still teenagers to be saved, and there's still homes to be restored, and there's still families that got to come together. There's still worship that has to come out. There's still sermons that need to be preached. The enemy is not going to win what the devil meant for evil. God's going to turn it for the good. In the name of Jesus, everything's going to work together for the good. Do I have a church this morning that's willing to run again? That's willing to preach again? That's willing to praise again? It is not over till God says it's over. All right. You can stay standing. You can stay standing. I'm done. You got me yelling. It's your fault, honey. It's your fault. I might as well just preach like this next time I come. We don't quit. We don't throw in the towel. We're people of God. Our ancestors of the faith had their heads cut off for this. Our ancestors are thrown in the dens of lions for raising their hands to say yes to Jesus. Can't viper in church run again? Can't we fight again? Can't we raise hell again? The best days are yet to come. And the devil is a liar. I pray with you today with eyes closed all over the room Father I think there's people in this room right now if they were honest they're lingering they're stuck there's probably people in the community that are pointing this way thinking they're stuck they're broken they're wrong there's probably people in this room who feel because they've divorced or they've been through it and felt this and experienced that that it's over But God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you visit them and they're gonna make the decision that it's time to run again. Time to run again. It's time to push again. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray shame off of them. Shame off of them. Shame off of them. Bring wholeness to their heart and healing to their heart. I pray for marriage. Marriages. I pray for children. I pray for people. I pray for people that don't, that, that are confused right now. I pray for them. I pray right now we will run again. Even with our mixed matched crazy shoe self. The devil thought he got our shoes, didn't he? But you can't quit, you can't stop a runner. Even if I dig my shoes out the trash. As for me and my house, Carl, we're going to serve God, even if our shoes don't match. And we pray it, we declare it, we believe it, we prophesy it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name, and if you believe it, put your hands together and let heaven hear you, make a shout in Jesus' name, amen.